What's up, folks? Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Gage podcast, we discuss, no, the MMA gods taking away Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky away from us. Who could be next? Is Cejudo the best fight? I also sit down and talk with Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture and Ugly Hot. What is it and why don't I understand it? I debate it with my crew. The news, if you haven't heard it, and I can depress you now... Uh, I'll do what I can with that. But right now, this is from uh, ESPN MMA. Max Holloway will not challenge Alexander Volkanovsky for the featherweight title at UFC 272 after aggravating a prior injury just days after accepting the trilogy bout. Sources confirmed to uh, Brett Akimoto at ESPN. UFC has not made any official announcement on changes to the event. So, now... Now that we have that information, okay, uh, what about the addition of someone else? Somebody else stepping in there. Well, uh, from Henry Cejudo, Triple C to the rescue at Dana White. You have my number with four gold trophies next to it. Hashtag C4, hashtag bend the knee. Henry Cejudo willing to step in. The one sticking point. Of this entire scenario, the one tipping point, he is not, that I'm aware of, in the USADA pool. He's out. He officially retired. There is a six-month window of USADA that is necessary before you're able to step back in and fight again. Could that, before we even start about how big the fight would be, could that be the sticking point here? I think it will be. He's got to have six months of USADA before he can fight. And if he doesn't, might be out. Could that be the issue, KOB? Well, apparently, please. Jimmy Smith is fake news. What happened? Henry Cejudo, I have to make sure he did this, but supposedly he was sure. re-entering the USADA pool in October of 2021. He re-entered in October. That's a, that's yes. what we're looking at. He re-entered in October. October. Okay. All right. Then maybe he can do it. That would give him six months before fight time. If he re-entered in October, which I was unaware of, then he would have the ability to step into this fight. So that leaves us with uh, the question, does this make the fight even bigger than the Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky three fight, the, the the trilogy fight we were going to get. Does it? Let's assume this fight happens. We don't know yet. We don't know, but let's assume it did. What would make it big? Henry Cejudo, former champion at twenty five, <clears throat> at thirty five, he would be champion again at forty five. Unprecedented three weight classes. That would be big. Henry Cejudo, the king of cringe, would promote this in his weird ways, doing weird stuff. That is kind of fun. Stylistically, it's a matchup we at least haven't seen before. As exciting as Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky was, this is the third time we've seen it. You have, you have obviously the quest for greatness, which is big for, for uh, Henry Cejudo. You also have... A new opponent, you have an opponent who will sell it very, very well. And you have an opponent Volkanovsky doesn't like very much. They have some animosity. There's been some back and forth. Could this make it bigger? 
Before we get into that, let me look at the rankings right now. Number one is the champ, Alexander Volkanovsky. Number one challenger, Max Holloway, which makes sense. Number two is Brian Ortega, who got shellacked by both guys. Yair Rodriguez coming off a loss to Max Holloway. Um, Korean Zombie, okay, uh, at number four. You have Calvin Cater at number five, shellacked by Max Holloway. Josh Emmett at number six. Arnold Allen at number seven. <clears throat> Giga Chikadze at number eight, who has a fight coming up. Sorry, still have a little bit of a cold. And then Edson Barbosa. Uh, I'm sorry, Danny Gate number nine. Edson Barbosa at Edson Barbosa at number ten. I don't see a lot of pay per view sellers on this list. Kelly is already shaking her head and looking like she smelled dead skunk under her seat. Tell me how you really feel, Kel. There, it's just I like Josh Emmett a lot. Like good guy, very nice in all the interactions I've had with him. I'm not out of my chair to see him fight. It sounds like you're breaking up with him or don't want to date him. It's you're not, like a nice guy. Like you're nice. There's something wrong. It's not with me. Him. It's him. To it's be not. honest, <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about Giga Chikadze too. Exciting fighter. I like him. It's not. Me, it's him. I don't want to see him fight Volkanovski either, to be honest. Like, Kelly Murphy, Kelly. ladies and gentlemen, the queen of hate. Kelly Murphy. Give it up Kel- for her, folks. Kelly is talking about Josh Emmett the way probably every ex-girlfriend I've had to talk about me. Like, he was all right. He's cool. All right. is, nice he, guy. is he is he marriage pay-per-view material? Nah. 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 Not having babies. I think overall we could do a better thing for the business, you know? Like, right. <laughs> that's that's, that's what I feel like, like there's I'm hearing always right another option out there <laughs> exactly. if, I, if I had to guess what every ex-girlfriend was saying to one of her best friends right before they right before the relationship ended it was something along the lines of what Kelly just said about Josh Evett right right I, and, and, and I don't know if if Henry Cejudo's an upgrade simply because we really were looking forward to um you know a uh, Holloway Volk 3 I, I don't know if it's an upgrade necessarily that, that might be a bit strong it's not a downgrade it's not a. I think as many people would buy that as would buy Holloway Volk three. I think it's 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 about even. Kob, what are your thoughts? Size wise, it, it pains me to say this, but yeah, I think it actually it's a way bigger fight. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are probably a little bit upset, like you know, who feel like Max Holloway got screwed the second time around, which. I had given him the fight. I remember. I think on the initial watch, and then when I rewatched, I did think that Volk beat him, but. You would have Triple C coming back to the try King to win of cringe. a King of Cringe, but to try to win a third belt. That's pretty big stuff against Volkanovski, who looks great right now. I think I think it would actually just it actually boosts Volkanovski's resume even more if he can get a win. If he beats a you know a, a two weight champion, despite the fact that it was lower weights. I, I don't know. Like you, I, you had great intrigue for both fights. You had the trilogy fight, like can Max Holloway finally beat Volkanovski, get the belt back. Or can, you know, Max just put him away and leave no doubts this time around. But even this one, you have the return of Henry Cejudo going for a third belt against arguably now one of the greatest 45ers. If he, You have everything you need. And I think you absolutely can still headline with that fight. I think that draws pay-per-view, pay-per-view people back in. I think it's got it ticks, it ticks off every single box. So, yeah, I actually do think Cejudo Volkanovski is a way bigger fight than Trilogy Max Holloway. Versus Volkanovski 3. If you were a betting man, I gave you a thousand dollars and say, and you and, and, and I told you, I need you to bet on one of these two fighters beating 
Volkanovsky, are you betting on Holloway? Or are you betting on Henry Cejudo? Where does your $1,000 go? See, this is where I get skewed. Because I bet against Cejudo, like, every single fight that he was in. Like, and, DJ. And DJ, what happened? TJ, and what happened? Cruz. And what happened? He won uh, all of them. He won all of them. I think finished all, almost all of them. So, yeah, dude. Like, I don't know. Like, it's so – here's the thing. I think the smarter move would be to bet Holloway just because those fights have been so razor close. Like, you could easily win. And Holloway's looked so good since, right? I I mean, a lot of people, and I was one of them, I mentioned to RJ yesterday because he would ask me, like, because uh, I believe Volkanovski is like a 250, minus 250 favorite, something like that, something along those lines. But I said, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense to me. It's that. He has technically won the first two fights. He looked excellent against Ortega. Even with the trouble he got into, he found a way to get out. And then you had the Yair fight. Now, granted, Yair is a completely different fighter than Alexander Volkanovsky is. He's around the same height as Max, if not taller. Way bigger dynamic striker. Just kicks from everywhere that it's a lot harder to figure out. So it might be one of the reasons. But Holloway looked very hittable. That was the most damage I felt like I'd seen him take in a long time in a fight. So I think that's why... People are a little shaky on Holloway going into this third one. But, again, those fights are, are a, a hair different. Right. And we get a, we get a different shape. Like, so I would say the safer bet would be to bet Holloway just because of how close those fights have been. But, again, I, I don't – Every I, time. Apparently, every time. I, I, apparently don't, I apparently don't bet with Cejudo. So maybe, again, I'm wrong. Don't listen to KOB on that one because he hasn't gotten a Cejudo fight right in the guy's entire career. Kelly, the reason I left you last for your opinion is you actually made the prediction, your bold prediction for 2022 was the return of Henry Cejudo. But stepping back from that prediction for one second, what do you think is the bigger fight right now? Cejudo versus Volk or Volkanovski Holloway 3. What's bigger right now? Just really quick, my prediction was not only the return of Henry yep. Cejudo, but it was to fight Alexander Volkanovsky for the featherweight title. So, so even more much... specifically right than right. I was So if this happens, right. that was exactly what I said. But regardless of that, I mean, I was super pumped for Holloway Volkanovsky 3. Zero complaints. I thought that was absolutely the only fight that makes sense right now for the featherweight title. So that's besides the point. But like you said, this is something that we haven't seen, and we have seen Max and Volkanovski go at it twice already. I know they were super close, but we have seen it twice. And Volkanovski chasing a third title really is unprecedented, like you said. So I personally think that this would be bigger. But if, you know, this injury to Max isn't super crazy and it's just, you know, a few weeks of a delay, I very much wouldn't mind seeing the trilogy either. But I just think this is bigger. All right. She's the... uh prognosticator of prognosticators uh kob what are your thoughts man this is a question for you jimmy before we head out to the callers here so let's say like okay so hudo was just doing something to get his name out whatever he's not really being serious which featherweight contender would you put in if you had to save a card if i had to save it and i only had featherweight contenders right now Yes. I'm going to go. Now, he has a fight coming up. If Giga Chikazi really looks great in his upcoming fight, I think stylistically, remember the top five have all fought uh, one of the two and, and they, they got beat up. Giga Chikazi might be that dark horse I would get behind on short notice. Am I out of my mind, KOB? No, it feels yeah. like it, but like yeah. it's a little bit. It's not exactly. I don't know if you could headline that. You'd have to probably make Aljo and. 
and Peter Young the headliner, I think, if you do that, if you're trying to save. You might have to, yeah. Yeah, but who else? Josh Emmett? Yeah, Josh Emmett's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, I, I'm not saying he's not a great fighter. It's just between – it really be Josh Emmett or Giga Chikadze. I would say Giga Chikadze because of that X factor. His kickboxing's so good, and he's been so dramatic and all that stuff. I, I, I would go with him. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. One of my favorite guests. I love it every time he says yes to one of our invitations. Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture, Las Vegas. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Jamie. Thanks for having me back on, man. Hey, man. Appreciate it. I, have you seen what's going around? This footage of Sean Strickland knocking a dude out in sparring with a <laughs> with, with a high kick. Yeah, I saw it, man. I I, I work with them. Uh, I work with them a couple days a week, and then I think right after. We got done hitting pads. He's like, uh, uh, oh, I got my Instagram back. And, and or I, or I started a new Instagram. And the first thing that's on there is this sparring footage of him out in San Diego and, and sparring a guy or whatever. So yesterday I kind of asked him the backstory of like, man, what happened with yeah, that yeah, whole situation? He just he said that uh, he when he like goes out of town or whatever, he gets on social media or he'll text a bunch of guys and ask if anybody you know, wants to spar or, or, or fight or whatever the hell verbiage he uses. And, and the guy's like, yeah, let's go. Let's, let's get after it. And that was the, that was the aftermath. So, um, you know, I don't think it's the smartest uh, type of sparring you should be doing <laughs> at, at any point in your career at all. But, um, but God bless him, man. He's a different breed of cat. He's definitely a throwback. So, 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 but, but tell us about that as a gym owner and, and as a trainer, what I was trying to explain is, Hey, you're sparring without headgear, which is, you know, you you, you generally don't want to go that hard without headgear. Like, if you saw the France and Gano Ciro Gan footage, one thing that I explained to people is they don't have headgear. They were kind of light sparring that wasn't, they're not going at it, they're not trying to hurt one another. And the idea of you don't have headgear on, your opponent doesn't have headgear on, and you clearly have him outclassed, which is Sean Strickland was tuning that guy up before the knockout. And then you knock him out. Generally speaking, that's a dick move. Am I wrong, Eric? Yeah, I'd say generally I was uh, speaking, I, <laughs> not throwing yeah. Josh Strickland under the bus. That's generally frowned upon. I'm trying to explain this to non-gym people. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely, probably not the not the coolest thing to do in the world. And that's kind of why I was asking what the backstory was. I was like, yeah, the guy wasn't, out? but the guy wasn't a dick or anything like that. Like yeah, there wasn't a, like, 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 right. like was there a call out or was there something else that happened? I think uh, for me, when I saw that, I was like, well, at least Sean didn't follow up on him or something. Yeah, he let him <laughs> fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God, bro. Yeah, that's uh, that's all Strickland for you, man. And and the nice thing is that for us in the gym, like we know what we're going to get from him. But uh, he also brings a competitiveness in the gym. He's never going to do that to any of the boys in the room. Um, right. But at the same time, he definitely gets the best out of his sparring partners. And I tell guys like, look, if you don't want to spar him, tell him no. We'll, we'll find rounds for them. And furthermore, I, we've been paying guys and I go, dude, you pay guys for that, those types of rounds and they know what they're getting themselves into by all means, pay your sparring partners then. Yeah. Yeah. Totally understand. Well, speaking to Eric Nixick, of course, from extreme couture uh, in Las Vegas. So uh, uh, obviously a natural transition was Francis Gano, Cyril Gom, that footage getting out. Now his old coach apparently released the footage said 
like, oh, it's 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 really him. You know, he's not denying it's him. We don't understand what the big deal is. The way I try to frame it is, in sparring, a lot of times you'll try to work on what you're not good at. You'll try to give looks you're not used to. You'll try to explore and be creative and go, okay, well, I'm, I'm trying not to use my best weapon, whatever it is. And in doing that, you're going to sometimes look bad, right? If I do what I'm not good at, I'm not going to look good. But if I only do what I'm good at, I'm not going to improve. If I think everything's going to become public, I'm never going to trust somebody enough to let my guard down and do something different. And with sparring footage like this and like Sean Strickland becoming public all the time, I don't know if I would go to sparring and not go, okay, I guess I got to knock everybody out and not look foolish, right? What what are your thoughts on this, man? Yeah, so, I mean, let's let's touch on the Sean Strickland thing first because it's like what – in my, like, that wasn't our gym. Obviously I think that was a gym yes. out in San Diego. Um, who's releasing that footage? Whose footage is it? Who's grabbing that footage? And furthermore, does the sparring partner know that you're filming? And if, if that's the case, what are your intentions and uses for that film? Is it for film study or is it for to put somebody on blast? Right? So, I mean, Jimmy, you and I, you and I've been around the sport for a long time. There's in, 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 in our opinion, my opinion is there's kind of a code. And when you're using video footage, what is the use for that footage? Is it for to learn? Is it to grow? Where are we at in the camp? Where are we at technical wise? All those things. Now, I have to ask myself this question is, is it a common practice for MMA Factory or or Ferdinand to release sparring footage in the past? I don't know. Maybe he does that quite regularly. And if the answer is no, then why release this particular footage then? If that's not your common occurrence. Number two, like we talked about earlier, is any of the sparring partners aware that that video use can be used on social media or, or put out? I have hours of, of film, of tape, of yeah. people not looking their best and, and people looking great. And I'm just never going to release that because I feel like there's kind of a code when it comes to gym sparring and videotaping. So uh, in the past, it was a while back, Ray Maynard fighting 145, moving down to 145, uh, fighting a Brazilian guy out of uh, Novo Inhal. And there happened to be a camera crew filming another fighter in our gym. Gray happened to be in the background, right? That sparring footage somehow got leaked or released and then made its way to Novo Inhal. And Gray and Aldo were friends. And Aldo hit up Gray and said, hey, there's video footage of you sparring in the background. You weren't the emphasis of the sparring. So it led to us to believe like, hey, we don't need a lot of guys in here filming. We don't want the camera crews in here. The only people that should be filming are the coaching staff at Extreme Couture or, a, or an approved coach. So that video footage should be yours and, and, and no one should get a hold of it. It's kind of just, I think, an unwritten code, if you ask me. Yeah, and, and I got to wonder, as my crew, who's a lot younger than me, uh, they always treat me like I'm a dinosaur. Am I old where, like, you didn't do this when I started? You, di- you didn't even talk about sparring. Like, I, I, had, I had a coach who said uh, it, it, was, it was Tito Ortiz, and he got submitted by, by one of the guys, some, some purple belt guy when I was at, at Team Punishment, and the guy mentioned it. And the coach mm. brought everyone together and goes, you never talk about catching somebody for two reasons. Number one, you don't know who's listening. Go, oh, Tito's weak with this kind of choke or this kind of attack, and that might, that might get back to his opponent. Number two, Tito may have been working on some position he's not good at, and it gets around that you tapped him. The next time he rolls with you, he's going to kill you. 
He's going, yeah. It's going to be like a steamroller going over you. But this was pre-social media. We didn't even like to talk about sparring. Are we just dinosaurs in that now is it just everything's out there? Everything's public? I, I think we're just different. Like, like, you know, I have a bunch of friends that are, have been in the Navy SEALs for 20 years. And then there's a, there's a new generation of SEALs coming in that are that more social media phase. And the old school guys kind of like, I guess, where, where you and I would fall in, Jimmy, yeah. just coming from a different line of thinking. And I'm with you, bro. It's like you you tap a guy in the gym. I don't want to hear about it. I don't give it's two over. shits about it's it. Over. It's that over. That was last. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 to, and to, to, to add on to your point, you're a million percent right. If, if, I, if I'm not good at a half guard and in practice, I'm going to get my ass in half guard. And, and I don't care how many times I get tapped. I want to get better in that position over and over and over. And then number two, like the, the other point that you brought up too, Jimmy, is like and when you see the sparring footage released, you don't know where each guy is at in proximity from their fight camp. Was one guy in shape? Was one guy not? Was one guy coming off of vacation? One guy could have had stat. I don't know, man. There's so many variables that come up to me when you see sparring footage yeah. that I don't take a whole lot of investment into it at all, to be honest with you. And I, I know, I know back in the day, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, there are certain guys and we call them, you, I, my name is Jim Monsters, but you know what I mean? Where God in yeah. the gym, they lay out every man. He's, you can't spar that dude and you get him out there in a professional context, be it a fight or a tournament, and they just they, they, they can't do it. They, they, they lay an egg. And there are other guys. I remember one of, one of uh, Shane Del Rosario, rest in peace, if you remember him. Yes. Man, great kickboxer, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Timo Yama. Uh, Colin Oyama was telling me one time, this is years ago, and I'll talk about it because it was years ago and, 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 and Minotaro's retired. It goes, Shane beat up Minotaro, big nog, so bad that we were like, oh, my God, he was going to fight Randy Couture. People remember that? And they yeah. Go, and yeah, they go, or up in Oregon. Right, and we thought, oh, my God, Couture's going to kill it. Like, you know, our guys are piecing him up. And Minotaur just goes out there and overperforms. Like, he's just not a great mm-hmm. sparring guy. He's not great in yeah. the gym, but in competition, he's fantastic. And that disparity, people don't understand that, right? They just don't. Like, that doesn't mean you're a good fighter or a bad fighter. It's sparring, you know? I mean, you've been in our gym. You remember the Mike Pyle days? I don't think Mike Pyle should ever lost a fight. If Quicksand, dude, that guy's amazing, right? Amazing, oh, right? Yeah, and then, amazing. I mean, Mike, Mike had an unbelievable career as it is. But, like, when you watch Mike in the gym, you're like, how does this guy ever lose a freaking fight? And, you know, things yeah. happen, in, things happen in, in, in the ring. You know, Matt Brown talked about that. When Matt Brown came out, Mike Pyle beat the crap out of him. So when Matt, Matt fought him in the fight, an actual fight, he was like, I wanted to get back from those sparring rounds that we had. <laughs> you know? It's crazy. They're just not the same, man. It's not the same. So moving forward in terms of the effects this had, of course, I'm speaking to Eric Nixick from Extreme Couture, coach of Francis Ngannou. Has this whole thing been a motivator in the gym for Francis? Has it been a motivator for you? What the effect that this sparring release, whatever it is, uh, what uh, what effect, if any, has that on has had on the fight itself and the training for it? Honestly, Jimmy, for me personally, like I, I haven't really brought any of this stuff up. I, I just I think it's kind of a build up effect for the fight that that the more the media and the promotion might be trying to do. Um, I don't want Francis to fight out of emotion in this fight at all. And I don't want to add more emotion to the, to, to the, to the backstory that's already there. If anything, I just want him to go and focus on on what he needs to do to, to win against Cyril Ghosn. Not more like I need to prove Ferdinand wrong or this person wrong or show this or that dude, go in there and do you right. And then we can make adjustments as we see fit. But for me to add more to this whole situation just doesn't make any sense to me. And that's not really my, my, my personality anyway. You know, I, I almost feel bad that that both of these guys 
have taken this this route this road because it is kind of a a, 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 a shit story when you look at it this way because Ferdinand should be celebrated for having two arguably the 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 best heavyweights right now fighting one another he helped bring these both of these men up you know and he should get credit for that and but now this is this is kind of taking a turn that no one really wants to see and I was kind of laughing my wife about it. I was like, man, you know what? Let's get Francis and Ferdinand to fight and me and Cyril go get some beers later. Let's make it easy on ourselves. In, in a much more, it yeah, in a much more general way, um, what are your thoughts on, on you know, sparring partners having to fight? Like sometimes there's bad blood. Sometimes there isn't. So now, you know, it's just, hey, we used to be sparring partners. used to be on the same team. Now we're not. Is it a matter of erase what you think you know about that person Cyril Ghosn in this case or do you try and build on what you know about Cyril Ghosn because you know there's kind of two attitudes of like forget whatever he had then we don't know any of that let's start from zero and hey you have moved around with this guy you've seen things other people haven't seen how do we build on that what's your attitude I think you you kind of take the the experience in the cage or your sparring rounds whether they were light or lighthearted or, or just movement but you build on those experiences. What are moreover? What tendencies did you see? What body language things did you read? Not necessarily make maybe more a technical side of things, but like you get a vibe of their energy and and how you felt when you landed certain things and what answers do they come back with as far as their counters go? And that's a lot of times when it comes to repetition. But we're talking about I think three year old footage maybe. So both of these men have grown exponentially in their careers. So you know it's it's kind of tough to take away anything technical. But moreover, I think you could take away more from the vibe, the feel from each of them might have got from one another. Uh, w- w- when you look at it that way, I had a I had a a, a discussion one time. Uh, Andre Korskov from Bellator was going to fight Ben Askren, right? And and mm-hmm. we asked his coach. We said, "Oh, did you bring in some." I mean, you guys are Russian. If there's anywhere you could find better wrestlers than Ben Askren, it's in Russia, right? And right. he goes, "No, we really didn't bring those guys in because he's not going to really learn." All, you know, the wrestling he needs to take on Ben Askren, he's not going to learn it in that time. Now, I didn't argue with the guy. I just sit there and wrote down what I was doing because I was a commentator, you know. And in my head, I went, but there's an advantage to experiencing something. All right, there's an advantage. I've been in there with D1 wrestlers that threw me on my head, and I was like, all right. Well, so when it happened in the fight, I went, oh, okay, I've been here before, right? Like, it wasn't a surprise, right? Is Cyril Gaon Mm -hmm. that kind of guy? It seems like people fight him and go, oh, man, he's he's – like they're seeing something new and Nganu isn't seeing it new. How much of an advantage is that? Yeah. And I think, um, I think it is an advantage. I really do. I think, I think it, the timing is one thing, right. But now you're talking about like half speed sparring speed, but um, you know, Cyril's a very vertical fighter. Does that karate kind of jump base stuff where it's very different from what we see with more pull counter guys moving around um, his spacing is a lot different. And of course you're sparring and it's looked like a small room. So it, that kind of put a more of a, of a, in a phone booth. So the faint game was really more evident to me in that, in that sparring footage than anything. So I think, man, you can, you can get, a, you can take a lot out of it and you can overthink it as well at the same time. But um, at the end of the day, these guys are going to figure that out in two weeks and, and go do it, bro. Go, <laughs> you guys go ham. May the best man win, you know? What do you think of this? A lot of people see this as uh, a, a dividing line, as, as an era thing, that this era of heavyweight, and I'm thinking of Tom, Tom Aspinall, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of Cyril G- Like, they don't move like old heavyweights, man. And and, and, and Ganu is, is an evolution in his own right, right? But he's mm-hmm. more in the line of a big, 
physical, strong guy, well-rounded, but a big yes. physical heavyweight. Now they seem to be a little bit shorter, a little bit lighter on their feet, right? Ty Tuovasa doesn't move like a light guy, like a big guy, moves like a much lighter guy. Yeah. Is this kind of a generational sort of fight where it's almost like this new era just fights a little differently than older guys? Do you believe that? I, I think so, and I think we really need to go back and give a lot of credit to Travis Brown because if you remember the way Travis Brown moved back in you know five, six, seven years ago, Travis Brown was really, to me, the, the kind of the first heavyweight to have that type of movement in the heavyweight yeah. division. You know, and, and a lot of this kind of reminds me of that Travis Brown era, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think guys are figuring things out a little differently than it once was in the heavyweight division where it was more predicated on, on, on power and just getting guys backed up into the phone booth and standing there and banging on each other, where it's like, well, I know I can have a better career and a better chance of winning if I can use my movement a lot better, my footwork a lot better and not get hit as much. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's where their sport should be going as a whole. I think for everybody, to be honest with you, but uh, it's just def something different when it comes to when you see guys that big moving around like Dominic Cruz. I got to ask you as a person, because I've met you, we've actually mm -hmm. hung out. How bummed are you? Because we're going to talk about it next. I got to get your opinion. Max Holloway, Volkanovski 3, not going to happen because of a lingering injury. As a coach and a fan of MMA, before I let you go, I got to know your thoughts on that fight falling through, man. I mean, that was the, that was the anchor, right? You know, like you, you look at that fight and you're like, it's the only fight that makes sense. And, 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 you know, you, you've already seen it twice and there's not one person going, ah, I really don't want to see that fight again. We're all like, yeah, give me <laughs> that fight one, again. Right? Not yeah. one person's going, nah, I don't know, man. Maybe somebody, somebody else it's, it's one a it's one B in the featherweight division. And those two can interchange for seven if you want and i'm buying it every time man i love that matchup i love what both those guys bring to the table and yeah i saw it this morning i was like wait they just signed this damn thing and i was yeah. getting guys out i was like oh no it sucks so you're as bummed as everybody else i'm glad yeah, to hear that sure. eric dude sure. i could talk to you all day about mma man when i come out to vegas we gotta hook up again you're awesome eric nixick from extreme couture thank you so much buddy my pleasure jimmy have a good one brother Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. The way this all started was we're talking about Pete Davidson and he's dating. No, you don't say dating, right? It's another You don't say dating. What do you say, Cal? What do you say? What do you say? They're What's hanging the out. Hanging out. So hanging out means dating. Right no. Hanging out means you're together. We're not calling it dating just yet. All right. So it's pre-dating. Yes, typically it leads to dating until you realize that you like hate each other and you stop hanging out. Okay, good deal. So, uh, Pete Davidson is hanging out with Kim Kardashian, did a show with Miley Cyrus, and then Kim Kardashian unfollowed Miley Cyrus. This is like an earthquake in Kelly's world. So, uh, that happened. And I said Pete Davidson looks like if Beetlejuice were still alive, that's what he would look like. That's what Beetlejuice looked like before he died is Pete Davidson. And you said, yeah, he's totally ugly hot. And that makes 
no sense to me at all. So you've been doing, I, of course, I follow Kel on social media. I see all of her thirst traps. What have you been working on for the past several days on social media? I've been pulling together research from my followers about Ugly Hot just so I can really contribute to the show and sure. make a lasting difference. Okay, so scientist that you are, social theorist apparently that you are, what, has, what, has, what have your followers said about it? What information have you gleaned from this? Well, let's start here. We'll go to Urban Dictionary and read the definition of ugly hot before we really get into anything. All right? Fair? Sure. Sure. Okay. Totally fair. Ugly hot. A person who is in no way, shape, or form conventionally attractive, but everything they do, how they talk, how they walk, and how they move is so incredibly hot that it makes them somehow better looking. It is still centered on physicality, but is more about how they use their body and body language. <laughs> Than their ugly face. You can't even say it without laughing. Okay, so, so first off, your results, and then I will give my theory. Sure. So I put up a poll on Instagram: Is Pete Davidson ugly hot or just ugly? We got over a hundred votes on this, and fifty-five percent of the voters said ugly hot. So that was fifty-six people compared to forty-six people who said just ugly. Okay, here is the thing that I have trouble understanding, which is the definition of ugly hot, as read, has nothing to do with that person's success or fame level. It has nothing to do with that. What you read just says something about them, the way they move, the way they – it's a physical thing, them being ugly hot. I think from what you told me, reading between the lines of what you are saying, if you met Pete Davidson and he was a bus driver and looked and act and talked and did everything the way he did it, you would not find him attractive. No. So right. you have it wrong. It's Please. A normal person I see on the street, like I can't say if they're ugly hot or not because I don't know how they use their body and body language. I would just be – like I said, if I passed Pete, David, Pete Davidson on the street, no, no, I, I would keep walking. No, no, but I, somebody I, mean, I know that's not famous, like right. that I know when I hang out with – could be ugly hot. I think the vast majority in KOB, you can be like the tiebreaker here. If you understand what I'm saying, I think we're going to be on, on opposite sides of this generational divide. People, men and women, but a lot of my experience, women, because we're just hardwired a little differently. Men with power, get over men with fame, get over men with money. Get over. You can call it ugly hot. You can call it whatever you want. Guys with power, get over. If you met Pete Davidson, and you somehow knew his personality. You somehow hung out with him, talked with him, saw him at a bar, liked it, were friends with him, and he wasn't famous and rich. He would not make ugly hot, in my opinion, to most people. These are two different things because what you're saying, I think anybody, men and women that are famous, get over just because yeah. they're rich and they're powerful. It has nothing to do with ugly hot. Ugly hot's just a completely different entity. My friend group, there could be some guy in my friend group that's ugly hot because he's not attractive to me, but the way he does things is so hot. Pete Davidson, if I saw him on the street, not attractive to me, but I've seen him in action like be on SNL on television. in his movies. Yes. I know how he be acts. Yeah. Jimmy I just You're... said though, my friend group, somebody in my friend group that isn't famous can be ugly hot. But You're is like, there anybody? Yeah, I know people around me that are ugly hot. That, that are ugly famous. hot. 
Yeah, so, you're, really, so, you're really fixated on the whole famous thing. Yeah, it's so bizarre. I, I, no, and because, I feel like because, no, because you're fixated, what? you're not listening to a word that Kelly is saying. No, 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 yeah, no, I, just, no I, I, understand, I understand there are things about somebody that, that now it doesn't work with my brain doesn't work that way. And a lot of guys brains don't work that way, but I understand how something beyond how somebody looks or their physical attractiveness can make them attractive. I I get that completely. That makes sense. I completely understand that. Sure. It just seems like this whole concept is generally heavily skewed toward people that happen to be famous and have a lot of money. Because no. that's what we can yeah, all I mean, talk I, about as a that, group. Like, I can't be like, hey, no, you know my like, friend so-and-so? Obviously see, you don't. This is the problem. This is why we have the generational divide. Because right. old man Jimmy Smith is just sitting there just fixated on this famous thing. Because it began uh, with Pete Davidson. Right. Sure, sure. sure. Like, Jimmy, right. you know the example like, we're working with is a famous okay. guy. But, famous uh, right. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. the person in the middle of this generational divide, let me see if I can try to frame this in a way that Jimmy Smith can finally comprehend. Okay? Right. You don't have a friend who's like maybe like doesn't have a ton of money, maybe isn't the best-looking, even even the best-looking guy in your group, maybe he's a little bit schlubby, but he still can crush it at bars because he's just got personality and he can bring him in. You never no. had a friend like that at all? No. Nothing? No. That's so... Do you have friends? Oh, my God. We need to cover so, this. There's so many things that you say and do that I could just freak out. <laughs> First off, let's that, backtrack. Yeah. Yeah, Should we have a social group? Has yeah. we been to a bar with multiple people? Um... <laughs> The, the the people I knew here's here's the deal that that the contradiction I grew up with all right in my generation is good looking guy who shit all over women but got over was normal but they were good look like, like they were aesthetically good looking guys but it's like women didn't seem to register that these guys were a holes right that and I'm sure that's a universal that happens now right but they all every guy I knew who got a lot of women was just. If you saw a photo, you'd go, that's a good-looking guy, right? They were all good-looking guys. They were D-bags who were terrible people, but they all got a lot of women. There wasn't – I didn't have – I didn't know a single person who wasn't attractive yet got over for some reason. No. Okay, but I you never know. had a friend who, like, middle of the packer. Like, he's not a 10, not a 9, not an 8, barely even a 7, 6, 5, but, like – can actually like because of personality pull them in a little bit and you do like outkicks coverage from time to time, just based on pure I'm personality. I'm really honestly thinking because about this. that is basically no. the ugly hot thing. No, there's just like no way. No. Like you always do this. I'm like, oh, what? I love McDonald's, Diet Coke. I don't eat fast food. I like I, unless I have to. You know. So like you you only go out with good looking guys that. Treat women horribly, like Kelly. Never I go don't out with go the out. Of the no, packer. Kelly. I don't go out with anybody. These are all these stories of me going out and being in a social situation. I'm Jimmy Smith, like and I just sit back. Yeah, this is too. <laughs> don't go to bars, and I drink my water. <laughs> what are these kids doing? Right, no, no, I'm serious. So yeah, so so uh, socially, yeah, I'm an outlier in that regard. I generally don't do that. I stuff. listen to the old tunes of Al Joseph when I sit I'm home and listen. I'm listening to drink my water. Jazz, right. So I don't yeah, know. Like, I don't know about these colored, colored talkie pictures they're putting uh, out now. I don't think what? it's going to be a thing. <laughs> like, All right. So so I'm thinking now of someone I will not out uh, that I used to work with, who got a lot of chicks. He 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 did go out and get a lot. Of, he wasn't bad. He was a you know, decent looking guy. He wasn't he wasn't what you would call ugly hawks. He wasn't ugly. He was, you know, decent looking guy. But the women he got weren't. 
10. It wasn't like they were way out of his league. He got a lot of women because he was good at talking to women, but he didn't get women that were substantially out of his league, and that was okay. a coworker. I used to watch him do it. All right. Attempt number two now at, tr at trying to get Jimmy Smith to comprehend sure. this. Okay. I feel like you're getting still too caught up. I love how getting... frustrated you guys are. I wish yeah. we could zoom this because, like, Kami is like, okay. He like, like, well, because like a, you like also a just proved therapist. my point, though. Like, you literally yeah. just proved my point. Like, who's falling apart? Even though you're, you're the example you just gave has nothing to do with ugly hot. Like, you even just said, like, I'm not going to out this person. Hence, why we're talking about celebrities because I'm not going to be like, he's yeah. okay, wait, my friend. I'm not going to out the guy. For yeah, but regardless, I'm still not going to be like, oh, my friend. It's so ugly hot. Like, this is his name. Like, no, we're talking about Pete Davidson because no, 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 no. everybody knows who he is. No, what I'm wondering about. It has no, nothing to do with the fact that he's famous. We're just right. talking about him but, because we can all talk about him as a right. unit. But I was genuinely wondering if <laughs> she is so mad. I love it. I'm the, so angry. I'm so angry right now. The, 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 what I'm worried about is like, do ugly hot people exist in real life and not just, oh, people, yes. you know, what's his name? Like, I don't <laughs> know is, any yes. ugly hot people. So, so what yes. is it? Like, but so as a like, guy, but so as like, a guy, KOB, do you, so you have a friend who pulls in much better. I've had friends, yeah, who've done better than they probably rightfully should have. Right. So but what's like, the deal? Like, what, what is the, their personality the plus, friend, their personality, the personality plus, but, but here's, but here's the deal. And this is what I want to try to get you in. Cause I think you're still too caught up in the fame thing. We, as average people, yeah. just everyday folk, everyday me and Kel people. are, are, are going to talk about, you know, Pete Davidson and stuff like that. And it seems like it's a, it's a fame thing. But I want you to keep in mind that the point that Kelly's making about Ugly Hot, it's not like Pete Davidson is just running through your average everyday person. He's getting celebrities who are just as famous, if not more famous, than he is. So the fame thing isn't a factor for what he's doing. It's just there's something about him where he's a little bit more personality or there's something else going on there. And Kelly attributed it to Ugly Hot. So that's what I'm saying. Like, don't get so much caught up in the fame thing because Pete Davidson isn't going to the bar on Friday like in, in, in Nebraska <laughs> like and, getting and regular just running people. through. Yeah, no. He's getting he's getting the Kate Beckinsales of the world, the Kim Kardashians of the world. Always, always whether you like him or not, A-listers out there who are way more famous than he is. Sure, but my argument would be if he were a plumber and somehow had access to people, his personality, whatever makes him ugly hot, wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't. Mm, uh, you know, maybe, I, I, again. But, but you understand maybe, my argument, KLB. You understand my argument that, that not I understand your argument. Enough. Right. I understand your argument, but, like, again, you'd be, like, would it still work in the A-list world? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. But, like... Something's going on because this guy's doing well in the A-list world and people notice it. And because also that becomes, I think, another aspect. I mean, I have to ask Kel for this one because I really don't know. The fact that he's getting good-looking women or making other good-looking women turn around. I think that's go, a huge factor. And go, wait, what's uh, going on I think here? that's a huge factor. Like there's got to be an extra aspect here. You know? Right, that once you get one, you're known as a guy who does that and women find that intriguing. And I, yeah, it's, that makes no sense to me at all. Like, absolutely none. None. Uh, yeah, so, so, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know anybody who did that. The guys I knew that really got over were comparatively good looking anyway. And, you know, anyone who listens to the show, I'm not the most social guy on the planet. So I don't know. Like, you know, I have no clue. I'm not saying there aren't things that unattractive people can do to be more attractive, Okay. Number one, I would say that works 99% male to female. No, like, a, a guy can do things if they're unattractive to make themselves more attractive. For women, I believe, honestly, it's much harder. We're just hardwired. It's much harder to do. 
So I think ugly hot applies to a lot more men than women. A lot more. Um, and it's just hard to get out of my head that this is just, yeah, powerful guys get over. Right? How is that new? You know, and you can call it ugly hot, call it whatever you want. You know, Donald Trump didn't marry who he married because he's just like the greatest guy in the world. He's also a rich billionaire and he's a powerful guy. That helps. So that's how I feel about it. That this is just dressed up. Yeah, we're no, like powerful men. Yeah, okay. I don't think we would call it ugly hot in the male to female world. But I have seen cases of this. Like, I, when I was in college, my roommates would talk about this one girl all the time. Like, she was just one of those girls who was, like, a guy's girl. Like, like drinking, hanging out, watching sports, stuff like that. I had, I would hear how they were all in love with this girl all the time. Like, and I finally met her, and I was like, all right, guys, I get it. She's cool. Like, I get I get the personality aspect. But, like, I was expecting, like, Jessica Alba when I walked in. This It's kind of girl next door-ish. Yeah. But, like... I, I just remember laughing. I'm like, I can't believe this was the girl that you guys are all and your entire friend circle back home are all obsessed with. It does happen from the male to female side. But not well. that I just, often. I just like, don't think – not even – not no. I think it, it happens a lot. It didn't work for you either. Like you were like, eh. You know, but again, I like didn't know the girl. Pete I didn't know her. Universally no, no, no. But I'm saying that, almost yeah. to Kelly's point, I didn't know the girl. Yeah, I kind of hadn't I, been I, subject to it. Yeah. I met her. I met her that night and I could see the personality traits as we were talking more and more. But like, I just laughed. I'm like, this was the this was the girl. Like, you guys have would been talking, you define I, her? As I've been ugly. hearing of no. Yes, no. That's big. That's like she's all right. So so let's say you know I, I hate to do it, but like say oh you know on a scale she was maybe a seven something like that. It made her an eight or a nine. Ugly but, hot is they are unattractive and become. Attractive. I, I think that's I remember, very rare. But I had laughed. I'm like, I've been hearing about this girl for two years. This is the girl, like, <laughs> like from all of you. So it does exist. But I also want to bring. I, I had to ask Kelly this too because this was something that I stumbled, and I don't know sure. if this is true because she was screening calls. Uh, Kelly, how much does the fact that Pete Davidson keeps, or just an ugly hot person, consistently getting with hot women, how much does that play into the ugly hot? factor like does that make you turn your head more of like well what's going on here or yeah i think work? it definitely plays yeah, a factor because sure. i'm like he's got these hot girls like coming back for more and lining up like it adds in a level of mystique to the ugly hot of pete davidson listen i said what i had to say and my instagram followers agreed with me so that's all i really care Great. about other other people on instagram totally agree with my tribe your tribe of people. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.